Hey everyone, the ho uh, Troy Reeves here, the host with the platform most back at it again. Uh, just wanted to get, uh, let you guys know that this is uh, say part one of two part series for the Super Mario 35th anniversary episode uh, special we have going on. Uh, the first part will go starting with the original Super Mario Brothers up to uh, Super Mario 64. And then next week uh, when we drop part two, it will pick up right from Super Mario Sunshine to Super Mario Odyssey here. I do want to thank you guys again for your patience here. Um, this episode has been in the backlog for a bit, but I haven't been able to edit it and work on it as much as I wanted to recently just with uh, current events. Uh, it's just been a kind of a rough month here on my end, and I do apologize for the, the delay. I didn't, wanted, I didn't want this episode to drop so late as it did. I was originally planning on in early October, but now that we're almost at the end of November, I do feel a little bad on that end but i do thank you guys for your patience here and your understanding and i do think this episode is worth the wait it was a very fun episode to record with everyone here uh michael natasha and dylan uh we had a great time talking about the mario games and i think your guys are in for a treat and i'm excited to uh hear what you guys think about the episodes so without further ado here's part one of the super mario 35th anniversary episode it's me mario Hello! Hello, hello, hello everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode, a very special episode of Up and Down and All Around. I am the host with the platform most, Troy Reeves here, and I say a special episode because you may have already noticed from the intro of the uh, podcast here that it's not our usual uh, intro track. We kind of spice it up a bit from a classic game here. Um, you know, maybe a game that launched with some Ultra 64 console. I'm not sure if that's the final name of that system, but, you know, like it it was a, uh, you know, a classic game, to say the least. Um, we are talking about not just one game, not even just two games, but an entire franchise, particularly more an entire series or tried to talk about the entire series today. Um, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of this particular franchise, I hold a near dear place in my heart. And also that the fact that I have been playing so many Mario games thanks to the 3D uh, All-Star Collection and all that good stuff here. But I'm very excited to go into this depth because we got a round table of people that I'm really excited to talk about the series with. I'm just going to shut up now. We are talking about the whole franchise, the whole series of Super Mario Brothers. Dear Mario, please come to the castle. 
movie, Princess Toadstool. Peach. That was just the intro clip to the classic N64 title, Super Mario 64. And here with me today to not only just talk about that game, but the entire series as a whole, we got a round table of very, very close friends of mine who I know maybe not as big Mario fans as me, but definitely can at least try to t attempt to t uh, indulge me with my love for this franchise. Uh, I'll introduce everyone one by one here. Uh, let's welcome back to the show a good friend of the, the show here. You have heard him on many of episodes here. Uh, welcome back to the show here, Michael Nance. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great, Troy. You're doing you're doing great here. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, man. I'm, I'm ready to talk about Mario. Oh hell yeah, I'm excited too. And also again, friend of the show who you also have heard from the SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, rehydrated episode. Please give it up for my good friend Natasha. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great, Troy. But I just want to correct you. Uh, I'm not just from the SpongeBob episode. I'm also from the Rouge the Bat episode, uh, which is the real name of Sonic Adventure Two. <laughs> I completely forgot that. I mean, I don't. I didn't forget that you were on that episode. I just completely forgot for a second that we had a Sonic Adventure Two episode, and it was also meant to be called Rouge the Bat. So I do apologize on that end, Natasha. Here. Gotcha. It's okay. I mean, it was basically a fever dream. I, it felt like it. I mean, when you're recording for two and a half hours, at some point it does become a fever dream at that point. <laughs> and, it was good. And, it, was fun. it was good. I know. I, I appreciate y'all being there. It was a lot of fun. But And also new to the podcast, I am so excited to finally have this motherfucker on the show. It's been way too long. Part of it's on my fault, so I'm not going to say it's all his. It's also on me. But welcome to the show, my dear, dear friend. Dylan, the Super Smash Brothers master, how are you doing, my friend? Yo, what's going on? I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to get balls deep in this Mario lore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mario lore is weird. I don't know if we're going to go balls deep into Mario lore, because at that point, I mean, I might not sleep at night, um, especially after really playing Sunshine and questioning how Peach doesn't, like, how to double think if she actually did give birth to Bowser Jr. But um, that's another conversation for another day. But that was a crazy night. That was a, <laughs> I mean, they fucked. Let's just, let's, let's just, let's, before we get into it, can we just confirm that Bowser and Peach definitely fucked at one point? I bet you $5 and a hot dog that Bowser lost his virginity to Peach. That's oh, so oh, oh, like, that's a given. Oh. Wow, man, we're not even like five minutes in this episode. We've already got the Bowser is like shameful incel, like that got laid once by Peach and won't let it go. Yeah, it's just like won't move on and shit. You know, like God, it's you know that's just that's how we do it up and up and down and all around. We hit the hard hitting questions that everybody wants the answers to, and that's why. Meaning of life. Okay. Yeah, um, it's apparently Mario because that's what we're going to be talking about for the the majority of the podcast here but thank you guys for coming by i really appreciate it y'all are kind of like 
the the clo- like it's kind of like with the Sonic Adventure two episode in, in in a way, but like I feel like we can at least talk about the series as a whole because I feel like we have some sort of a similar entry point, but I do feel like we kind of like the series for sort of different reasons or kind of appreciate it for different reasons. That I feel like it will be a very fun roundtable to talk about, and I kind of want to get into it. Um, let's. Uh, I'll kind of go around the room here first, so uh, the kind of get into the what game got you into the Mario franchise here, and like kind of like your personal history. Uh, Michael, do you kind of want to start lead us off on that here, like kind of like your personal history with the franchise and what kind of got you into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my my first Mario game was the first like the actual Super Mario Brothers for NES. But it's very little, but it's one of the first games I remember playing. Uh, and then but the, the the one that I have the most attachment to in terms of, like, really getting me into Mario would be Super Mario 3, Ooh. also for the NES. Uh, my cousin had it, and I just, every time I played it, I was, like, blown away by the amount of shit they packed in that game with all the different power-ups and the secrets by, like, hiding behind the white blocks and everything. So, you know, from then on, I've always uh, enjoyed the Mario series and pretty much any of the spinoffs, tennis, party. I mean, yeah. I mean, we definitely had we had get get together just to play some Mario Party. So I I, I can confirm that here, listeners. It's incredible. (laughs) I mean, it's it's incredible to hate each other and used to chug some Ford Loco if we lost the party match. Like we got into it and. Kind of glad we don't do that stuff anymore, but you know, I'm no, I'm always I'm always down for a good Mario Party session here and there. But what about uh, you? Uh, what about you, Natasha? What kind of like your personal history with the franchise and kind of like the game that got you into it specifically? I just want to confirm that you know the memories of pounding for Loco to Mario Party uh, will always you know be etched in my heart, you know, very dearly, very tenderly. Uh, but fair, fair. I guess when it comes to, like, my childhood memories of, like, Mario 64, uh, would you know, or, well, just the Mario series in general, rather. It, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. <laughs> uh, it's Mario 64, actually, for me. That was, like, my first game that, like, got me into the series. But it's interesting because I didn't play that game too much when I originally, like, encountered it. It was because, you know, my main opportunity to play the game was in the after-school program for my elementary school. Okay. So all the kids, like, that Nintendo 64 was fucking ruled by, like, you know, the older kids, the fourth graders would, like, push you off the system if you were on too long or something like that, you know? It's like, my time to play, um, my time to play. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, I mean, they would put in rules, but, I mean, you know, they, they weren't always around to watch you, so, you know, usually if you were bigger, that meant you got more Mario time. So my actual first, like, playthrough, like, intense Mario playing experience was actually Super Mario World for the SNES. And I fucking loved that game. I will always remember the first time I fucking threw the red shell on 1-1 and got the 1-up, and I was like, you can do that? Like, I... (laughs) I, it's, lost my fucking it, it's a magical moment here and uh, I, I, we'll kind of go back into that because we kind of have a similarity with those kind of games here but i kind of want to get into dylan's uh like what is your like personal history with the franchise and kind of like what game got you into the series as a whole oh shit <laughs> okay my mic's working my bad. <laughs> uh, so mine's kind of a tie um you know everyone's favorite super mario 64 we it was just a groundbreaking game, but Super Mario World was probably the first 
and just a you know like a nostalgic feel. It has amazing music, colorful sprites. Yes, uh, there was just so much to that game. It was beautiful. Yeah, it, I, uh, I, I mean, I agree because uh, oddly enough, that's actually the two that kind of got me into the franchise. I mean, I do remember playing the original and uh, like the, the original three on the NES a little bit as a kid, but really it was world and 64 like world was probably the first mario game i really got into and really like played because it again like kind of like as dylan kind of mentioned like how like it's a very colorful game like the sprites are really well done like it's a very inviting game to kind of like sense of adventure and very easy to pick up and play and also like the cool stuff you can do like Natasha mentioning like Red Shell, like you can just knock a bunch of enemies. You're like, oh shit, I can do this. Or like even the introduction of Yoshi and like how that adds a lot, a lot of gameplay into it and stuff like that. But 64, I have a very close, I feel like holds a very close spot to me because that's like the first game I feel like I was truly immersed in and had to beat 100%. Like I had to get all 120 stars and that's like, still to this day like my first game i have truly 100 percent complete and i i mean i still love that game to this day so i i do find it fun that all most of us those are kind of the two games that kind of brought us into the franchise but michael got a little bit more of a taste of the older older games which i actually do want to talk about a little bit like particularly the first one of like it's kind of crazy to think that game's 35 years old now like it feels 35 years old when you go back and play it I mean, that's true like it's kind of crazy like oh man it's been that old but then playing it, it's like oh i i i could kind of see it like it's even like night and day going from like the first the first one to the third one because even though they the foundation's still there there's a lot more like the controls feel a little bit different because i feel a lot more free from like a free forming with it i don't feel so stiffed with the br- brothers but I mean, I don't want to... Huh? Oh, I was just going to say, like, I mean, they were basically building the game from the ground up, right? I mean, there was a reference point, you know? There was nothing really to improve because it was, you know, literally... I don't know. I'm not a perfect gaming historian by any means, but uh, that was probably one of the first platformers, if not the first, like, successful one. So it was not, like, the first platformer necessarily, but it definitely was, like, probably the first one that really was, like, a major hit. And I mean, it you you have to like the reason why I think feel why the Super Mario Brothers series works so like why is it so fondly remembered? It's also just how this single game almost pretty much single handedly brought back the gaming just the gaming culture from the dead because before like the 1983 uh, gaming crash where basically like after like ET and the Atari and just like multiple consoles that were not really they were fun novelties, but they were really starting to show like they didn't have a lot of depth to them. And that's why like gaming, like gaming just really crashed around 1983. And like if viewed like home console gaming was considered dead and arcades was basically kind of be the only thing for a while until Nintendo came in with their NES and the forefront was it was Super Mario Brothers because it was an adventure. Like there's actually not just like levels, but also like you go to different worlds and it's just like the sense of adventure. Like it kind of builds upon what maybe like certain games back in the Atari, like kind of like pitfall, like kind of of those adventure games, but really expand upon it. And really, I mean, 
it's kind of hard to talk about because I feel like there's so many people out there who have mentioned this game and just even gone to death on why the level of 1-1 it's such a masterpiece of level design and just kind of taught you like the game like how it teaches you how to play a game so well without like rubbing it in your face and it, it's just i think that's why we have such an attachment to the series because it's hard not to talk about gaming without really praising the original on how it se- almost pretty much single-handedly brought gaming from the dead I mean, I mean, I, I think about, you know, kind of what was the situation that might have led to that, you know, that dirge, you know, that, that, you know, valley and like interest in video games. And I feel like, you know, it might have just been, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like the beginning of a trend where like, you know, in like Western, you know, like America or like European countries, for instance, like games are seen as more like a novelty or like a kid's toy. And, you know, I feel like Nintendo, when they made the original Mario, they were approaching the game from a totally different perspective. I felt like they wanted to make something, you know, legitimately immersive and fun. I mean, I feel I like... that's kind of a generational thing, because there's people that are probably like 40 or something, and they're still playing games, you know? Definitely. Um, mean, you're not limited. Uh, and I, I really appreciate Mario because of the fact that it's it's lasted so long and it can unite so many people in gaming as a hobby. And it's, I mean, Mario is almost like the mascot of gaming as a whole. It's pretty much like, it's pretty much like almost confirmed. He is the mascot of gaming. Like, I mean, maybe not as now, like, but like, you can't think about video games without thinking about Mario. Like Mario is basically like the first character, if not one of the first characters that you think of when it's like, Oh, when do you think, what do you think about video games? And if Mario's not in that like conversation that I find that very fascinating because I think it's hard not to talk about Mario in some capacity. And it's not even just because the original Mario brothers too, like even like 64 was such a revolutionary game for the time and even replaying it. Uh, with the 3D All-Star collection, like, I am still surprised how, what, like, how well that game has aged. As much as, like, I have my problems with it now. Uh, huh? It's a masterpiece. I mean, it's, to quote uh, our fa- one of our favorite YouTubers, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, I mean, but it really is such a, such a special game because, even some of the level design, like even like some of the stuff that they were doing in 1996, I'm like, in 2020, it's like, holy shit, like this still holds up really well. Like these ideas, the sense of mystery of Peach's Castle, like the the control of Mario and just the world that that it kind of invites you in. Like you know enough to like go into it, but like the mystery is kind of what leads you to playing it more and more until you beat the game. They're also pretty friendly with the secrets too. I mean, the Boo Mansion in the back, uh, the walls that you could just walk up to, and you're like, "Wait, it's moving." That's true. Yeah, yeah they. I yeah. mean, there's definitely something hard with Mario, but they definitely are pretty. Um, they definitely kind of hint of like invite players or kind of hint the player like, "Hey, there might be something more if you look down here or something like that." that's really you know part of the achievement of you know the 64 game like why it was so revolutionary as it was you know one of the earliest you know game experiences that you know the user or the player could feel like totally immersed in i mean you think about what is the gameplay experience between levels even you know just like you're talking about troy this mysterious castle it's still like part of the game like you know carrying you forward making you feel like 
you know, what you're doing. Like, you're, you're, there's continuity in, like, who the player is supposed to represent. I mean, in past Mario games, for instance, you'd be a level, right? And then yeah. you would be taken back to the overworld map, and you'd just be this boring little sprite, you know, slowly crawling across the map. But in 64, you could beat the whole game and be the same literal character on the screen. You know, yeah, controlling Lakutu was a bitch, but you were still Mario <laughs> yeah. the whole time. That's, I mean, that's true. I mean... I would, I mean, even, like, you, you brought up the world map from, like, World in 3, and I do kind of want to bring on top of that, um, because I do think even that kind of was something kind of, not a lot of platformers did, or a lot, not a lot of games did as well as Mario, like, I mean, the mystery yeah. of Pizza's Castle, I do want to get into that at one point, but, Andrew did it right. I mean, I, if I have to pre- prefer, uh, Gruntilda's Castle is better, I'm sorry, well, or Lair. Just on the, the subject of what uh natasha was saying earlier about how whenever you get uh i guess a puzzle piece in banjo you don't go back to the hub world you continue along in the in the little world or area that you're in which odyssey does do that as well but it obviously takes from the banjo but no i uh replaying 64 and sunshine i I'm not as harsh on it as other players, I feel like, but definitely I get the criticism because it is kind of annoying where it's like, well, I know how to collect all these stars and things of that nature. Yeah, but I don't think it was designed in the sense that I was like, oh, this person's going to just, you know, 100 complete this level one at a time. Oh, it wasn't. allowed you to, like, jump to different worlds and experience a different mission. It, 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 it wasn't, but I, I, I want to kind of put a pin more on the 64 topic for just right now because I do want to talk about more about the NES trilogy. Just kind of like what kind of like go our way from like the beginning to like the current era here. And just I'm more like kind of fascinated, like because Michael, you mentioned that three was kind of like the Mario game that kind of got you into the series. And yeah, to me, Mario Brothers three, as much as like Mario Brothers one, it's like the big juggernaut that brought the kind of gaming back from the dead mario brothers 3 was really the first true blockbuster of a game like there was literally a movie made just to promote fucking mario brothers 3 that's how big this game was yeah this game is huge and like can you kind of like i i mean i played i finally played mario 3 back in like 2017 to get ready for odyssey like mario 3 i just never truly got into because i played world first and i still to me world is just kind of like a better version of three but some people still prefer three which i understand because there is some slight differences but can you kind of like explain why you think like mario free is still hold up as even like people's personal favorite mario like not just mario game in general but the the best in the 2d elements of mario i i mean it's super mario 3 is such an interesting game because it's just loaded with charm like that game it, it every aspect of it is so like carefully crafted to fit that world that it, it you just it you want to stay there you want to continue to explore it just like in 64 with peach's castle they create that same element the, even the overworld map being the way it is is really cool because you know they have the stages where you play that uh, match 3 game they have yeah. the stages that are where you have to pick the random chest with toad so there's these like little cool gambling elements in between the levels including the box at the end of the of each stage that you hit and if you match a certain number you get lives it's just so cool and like you can hide behind uh certain blocks the white blocks in the first stage that they that's right in levels and then there's the secrets up in the sky 
And, you know, Super Mario World, I, I, which I also love, it, it owes so much to Super Mario 3 because Super Mario 3 introduced um, not just uh, the only secret areas being in pipes, but in the sky yeah. and in uh, and behind the stage. Yeah, no, and I, and I actually, I, rem- I distinctly remember, you know, I, like I said, I played World first, but I remember the first time I played Super Mario 3, the transition was so seamless from having only played World before that, you know? Like, I got that Snooki suit, and I was like, oh, this is like the cape. And I'm like, okay, yeah, and I just figured it out. I yeah, mean, it, I would, it just makes sense. I will say this about 3 that I think, I still don't think Mario games has truly topped, is the power-ups in 3 are so well done. Like yes. they, they are such a good variety and they bring so much different gameplay to each of the levels and they don't feel like novelties, which I do feel like that's what eventually the power ups became as the series later go on. And, I, and we'll kind of mention it a little bit as we talk more about the 3D titles and maybe a little bit about the new Mario Brother games. But the like the, the Tanuki suit is such a classic because it is kind of like the cape, but it's just like it's such you. Because also you can, like, ground pound with it. Like, you turn into, like, a stone statue to, like, ground pound. It's actually so cool. Yeah. 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 Like, in itself, actually, it had more of a sort of, like, you know, mid-air mechanic where you could sort of, like, you know, what was that? You know, you'd, like, dip and, like, raise back up with the cape and it would, like, keep you suspended a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you could kind of fly. Well, and I would say that would like would three definitely better the world because really world doesn't have that many power ups. You have flower and then the cape's really the big entry point. With it, I would consider Yoshi in that kind of character category yeah. uh, with that. But I feel like brings up a whole new element because you not only like movement but also like enemies and things of that nature. And oh. and you get an extra well, jump from it. Yoshi if you sacrifice them. You know because we all did it. Amazing in Super Mario Brothers three, like you said, is how the star made you in that where you like did like crazy flips you just turn into like mad parkour olympian mario oh it's it's insane can we can we just talk about for a second like i i had the thought like replaying the games mario is like i mean he's not like out of shape but he's like you know kind of like a middle age he's got a dad bod yeah Yeah. like dad bod some of the moves Mario has always been a low-key body-positive series, as we all know. <laughs> this is true. He's got a little chubby boy on him. <laughs> but, but the thing I love about, like, what blows my mind about Mario, and I, I it kind of, like, just makes me just feel a little bit... I'm granted, this is a game character, so obviously, like, there's some disbelief, but I'm like, the shit that you can pull off with Mario, like, acrobatically, and I'm just like, this man is, like, a short, chubby little guy who's, like, doing all these backflips, and I'm like... I feel like I should be able to do that, but I can't in real life. Granted, it's a game, but it's like, man, Mario's very limber. <laughs> you could go to like an amazing jump and try it out. That's uh, <laughs> the t- the t- trampoline place in San Antonio. Is that even still around? I don't know. I, there's you know different names, but it's the same concept. Yeah, yeah. There's altitude in Austin. Trampoline park. Love altitude, but. It's Mario, like, it just blows my mind. Like, Mario's, like, this chubby little guy who, like, can fucking backflip and, like, waltz. Like, he, he can, he's an Olympian. Like, especially, like, in the 3D games. Like, when you, like, they let you go loose with him. Like, holy shit. He's a... Uh... Oh, at this point, he's, like, an immortal god. So, I mean, uh, there's some, you know... There's some truth to bod, that. His bod is, you know, irrelevant. 
That's okay, true. He's like a deity. He's like flying around in galaxies and shit, and literally flying. You just like spin, and then like stars shoot out of you, and you collect bits. Yeah, like yeah. one of the few humans that actually exist in the universe. <laughs> That's, this is true. And he's fucking magic. He's magic. But I can I talk about a serious issue okay. with the uh, 3D All Stars. I I do want to mention it a little bit, um, but I kind of want to mention it when we get more into the 3D, the like the For 3D sure. era of Mario, because I do just want to talk about more, just a little bit more about the 2D uh, elements here. But like we kind of mentioned, like Super Mario Brothers three, like. I think it's easy to forget now because especially like maybe like a lot of people our age or even just a little bit younger doesn't understand like how big Super Mario Brothers 3 was. Like obviously now like games is now like a huge medium where it almost feels like every game it's almost like a big release, you know, but yeah, Mario, so many. what's up? There's so many, the AAA titles. Yeah like today like it's kind of we kind of take them for granted but like mario brothers free was a fucking event like again the wizard was straight up made just to promote that game like that was the first footage to like the nintendo one of the release like oh this is the new super mario brothers footage and it's just it's i just find it very fascinating just like okay like we went from like the gaming gaming industry almost kind of collapsing on itself in 1983 and in 1985 mario brothers came around with the nes and really kind of pretty much single-handedly brought it back from the dead and then 1989 1990 comes around and now like this game like sells like almost like i think 25 million copies or something like that which is even in today that's like ridiculous that's some great numbers yeah Yeah, like i mean when 64 came out, it only came out of two games, and everybody wanted a 64. Yep. That's, I Absolutely. mean, I mean, you, you, even like people who bought Sony PlayStation was getting pissed off because they're like, fuck, I kind of want to play Mario Brothers 3 or Mario Brothers 64 because <laughs> it looks good, you know? Like, uh, but yeah, I'm actually kind of want to confirm how much this game sold because I think it, like, Okay, it sold the NES sold over 17 million copies, which is still like insane. Like, for yeah, yeah. like that's for, more than like sub nations in this world. Yeah, like that's. I mean, it doesn't. It's not no longer like in the biggest games, like biggest games sold ever ever made. Some Mario games do still make that list, but like, still like, it's kind of crazy how it went from. Like, again, like how Mario Brothers from the 2D era single-handedly saved the video game franchise with the, the NES also being a really great console in its old right and just being that centerpiece of, like, this is why you should buy the system to Super Mario Brothers 3 becoming, like, really making... I I think the true first game that made gaming an event. Like, a singular game was an event. And it just kind of went on from there and... I mean, Super Mario Brothers 3, I finally got around to it a couple years ago, and I do appreciate it. Again, I still prefer World, because I do think World just tweaks a little bit better my issue with 3. But like you mentioned, Michael, the worlds of like Mario Brothers 3 are so charming. Like, each level, granted, they're now becoming redundant. You got your grass level, you got your sand world, you got, like, your water levels, you know? Like, it's becoming... Ice like, world. Ice world. But back then, and even today, like... In Super Mario Bros. 3, I think the levels are so well-crafted. And there's even that sense of mystery because there always will be that one-off level. Like, 
I think it was like in World Five, where all of a sudden, like you're small and everybody else is huge. Yeah, everything's huge. That's such a cool yeah. level. Yeah, like they throw these oddballs or like the fucking uh, boot, like the boot power up that you only get in one level. Yep. <laughs> like, it's, I love it. it's kind of like the I I love when Mario has things like that, which I think they have in each of the subsequent games. Because immediately after in Super Mario World, I think of the levels that are to the like right of the final stage. You know, the like bonus levels you unlock, and they're all named things like Groovy and Tubular. And yeah, outrageous. Oh man, and Super the, Mario World. Um, those levels yeah. are insane. Yeah, and so it reminds me of that, like a, a, a little treat you get for exploring. And those levels are some of the best designed in the entire game. I agree. In Super Mario World, and. I mean, yeah, like Super Mario Brothers Street. It uh, Super Mario Brothers Street. It's like, it's not my personal favorite Mario game, but I get why it might be a lot of people's favorites because it, it's it's still a great game. Like, from the NES, where I feel like a lot of those games have aged at best as charming, where Super Mario Brothers Three is at least as charming, but you can actually go back and play it and still have like a really great time and it not feel yeah. like so cheap because the game design is still well made to this day. So, but let's also like uh, kind of wrap up the uh, 2D series or the 2D or at least the 2D era before we jump into 3D with Super Mario World, which uh, Natasha and Dylan, those are kind of like the games that really got us. Um, I I feel like you can't talk about Super Mario World without talking about Yoshi because this was like his major debut and he became such a fan favorite right from the get go. And it's kind of silly to think about, like, all you really do is you might move a little bit faster, you get to eat enemies, or you eat certain fruits and they fire, you know, fire stuff, propellers at things, and you can technically kill Yoshi to save yourself, but... but I mean, you know, the death... Sins. Oh, go on. Uh, I'm just saying that Yoshi died for our sins. Oh my god. <laughs> Yoshi did die for our sins. To the point, like, Yoshi should... Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a Yoshi, like, clan came to kill us for revenge. For sure. Smash I mentioned that going because, uh, honestly, what I was what I was going to say is, like, my, my, you know, we can talk about the mechanics of Yoshi all day, which are all, you know, dazzling in their own right, but does anyone else remember being a little kid and then, like, you know, you get Yoshi, you're super excited, but then the moment, like, the first time you lose Yoshi... And then you scream at the yeah. top of your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> like you chasing your dog, you just went running all around the neighborhood yeah. trying to find him. That's a pretty good analogy. That's a transcendent re for sure. That is that is definitely a very accurate like portrayal because that's what it felt when you lost Yoshi. Because yeah, Yoshi and you can retrieve Yoshi if you like t- like you jump on it right. But again, like. It depends on like if you lose it, like oh no, and then you you die or stuff. It's like it's a, that panic moment. It's almost like they brought that mechanic for uh, Yoshi Island uh, when you lose Baby Mario. But I'd it, rather lose Baby Mario than Yoshi. Yeah, yeah. I, I leave a baby at a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> then the franchise I never happened. But also, like another thing that I feel like Free and World kind of bring up is the Koopalings, which is a. Uh, you know, they're so weird because I don't even know what Nintendo really thinks about the Koopalines because they kind of brought them back in the new Super Mario Brother franchise, but they kind of are like redundant, especially when they introduced Bowser Jr. at some point. But 
the Koopalings were interesting because it was just like each of them had unique abilities and there were unique boss fights in some way. I would say more in three, they were more unique than World. Were they were kind of pathetic, from what I remember. Yeah, once you knew their patterns, it was so easy to destroy them. Yeah, yeah they were filler characters. Yeah, yeah. truly. And and it's kind of weird to like think about like oh yeah they they were like in World like they were the big things, but I think what also was so cool about World was I think it's one of the only few Mario games that weren't really in the Mushroom Kingdom like or because it, it was in dinosaur island or i forgot what it was called it was, it's like own continent right? yeah and that's that's how you find yoshi that's where the yoshi lives and stuff like that but the, it was also just so cool because i feel like it builds upon what three does of like like the work like the charm of the game and just how each world has its own different theme and did they were boo houses in super mario brothers 3 i don't think so right no, I don't know. There are no boo houses. Okay, because it came in because I know World was when I think World was yeah that makes sense. World was their first entrance, and that was more interesting into the uh, level design because those kind of brought more puzzle platforming into it. Like you not just go like I remember as a kid going to my first boo house and thinking like oh I'll just get to the end of the level and I'm like wait like I'm going right why am I not beating the level? So I I, I was wrong. Boos did appear in three. The first appearance was in three. Like they do. Like, but there with boo houses in three. Like, I know, I think boos were in three, Probably but I don't wasn't know if... that many levels. Because I mean, in world, they're like a pretty much in every. No, uh, it looks part. like they're part of the castles. You know, the castles. Uh, the that's what I they thought. Have... That makes more sense. Yeah, because I think. Because boo houses, I know, were more implemented in world than in three. Because I, I do remember boos were in three, but I don't think they were like they got their own levels like world did. Because that, like, added, like, a whole new, like, again, puzzle platforming. You can't just go right and you're going to beat the level. You have to, like, find what unique puzzle that that level has. And it's very kind of fun. I mean, obviously, other games did it at the time. But it's very cool, like, how, like, each game in the series kind of evolved in small ways. That may not seem like a big deal, but in the grand scheme of things, it had really kind of make each game unique in my opinion and i just and dylan kind of hit it on the head like i the, the the aesthetics of super mario world like the pixels and everything it's still so charming like i love everything about that game the art and everything it's such a uh it's such a good game such a good uh, game really is timeless when you think about it it kind of is like yeah because you don't really know like what era that it is because it's kind of it's kind of like Dragon Ball in a way where it's like it could be in the future, it could be in the past, it could even be present, but we don't really know. Like there's not really like a, an indicator of giving that to us. So it is really a timeless game that if for whatever reason if you haven't even played Super Mario Brothers uh 3 or World, I can't stress enough how much to play those games and you can easily play them if you have like a free DS or even a Wii U. Um and even like if you for whatever reason happens super nintendo nes those games are pretty easy to come by so yeah uh really really good games really really good games but um anything else you guys want to add about those like those particular games before we kind of get into the 3d the 3D? are we not going to talk about uh super mario brothers 2 uh, uh <laughs> i played so, the fuck out of that on the game uh i i played a lot of that game um 
I mean, I it, I recognize it as completely inferior to three and World, but yeah. it still has its own charms despite not really being designed as a Mario game initially. That, that's kind so of it, it was so it was so bizarre. I was like, I, that was a game I like took me forever to figure out what the fuck to do. I was like, how do I like you know kill anything? I can like hop over it, but then I was like, oh, I have to pick turnips out of the ground. Like, what the fuck is this? So the- right, like. You know, going into that game from normal Mario, or even if you, like, went backwards from Mario 3 to be like, oh, I wonder what 2 was like, you would feel like you had done... It was like the Twin Peaks of Mario games. It right? really kind of is. The final like, boss was a big fucking rat. It, it, was, oh, a, it was a frog. It was a frog. Oh, it was a frog. There's a big fucking rat, right? There's a big... There's a rat. Yeah. There is a rat. There's a fucking gross frog as the boss, and you're just like, what What am I playing? I, I King K's cousin. <laughs> King K's cousin before we learn about King K rule. Um, Unless we forget uh, Birdo. I mean, come on. Birdo became a staple in the series. Like Birdo could talk. Which I there is there is something fascinating because I think Nintendo kind of like hinted it could have been a he or she, but then they w- went back on that because Nintendo just wants to be family friendly as possible. But it's so odd, like how like now Birdo's trans. Great job. I, I I mean it makes sense to me. Like I I ship it. Like I'm all for it. Like it's kind of like uh, one of the partners in uh, Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, uh, Vivian, uh, in the Japan version. They basically hint that sh- she was trans. But yeah, I mean you know at this point we we have seized the canon and uh, we have rendered it thus, and that's yeah. all I will say. Yeah. We we made it we made it official. Bam, Bertolt's trans. Get deal with it, fuckers. <laughs> The last game Birdo was on. I, it had to uh, be like a sports game or yeah, Team Mario Tennis. Party I, or sports game. It was probably Mario yeah. Tennis. I don't know if she's in Super Mario. I don't know if Birdo's in Super Mario Party, but I know in Mario Tennis Aces. No, not in Super Mario Party. But Mario Tennis yeah, Aces, uh, like Birdo's in there. I don't even think Birdo's in Mario Kart 8, which is <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Another interesting thing about Birdo uh, is also that, like, apparently, like, the canon is that she's supposed to be related to Yoshi or something like that. They hint, like, like related to Yoshi and then they're a love interest. I don't know what the fuck. Again, Mario lore is weird. Is it, like, uh, like Chimps and Babinos or, like, actually related? Uh, you know... I think if we look too closely at it, we might be revealing incest in the Nintendo canon. I know, so and I really don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Like, yeah, they got serious lawyers. Let's, have a, let's get away from this conversation. Reggie, save us. No, so I do want to mention one thing about two. I'm glad that you brought it up, Michael, because I, I definitely did want to talk about two a little bit. Um, I do think it is an underrated gem in the franchise. I do prefer it over one. Um, I think even though it did start a development as Doki Doki Panic, because the original Mario Brothers 2, which is Mario Brothers The Lost Levels here, uh, I don't recommend playing that game because that game is like way too hard. And I do think that it was a smart <laughs> decision for them not to release it here because I do think it might have hurt the brand a little bit because I don't think it was a good game. It was as hard just to sake to being hard. And there's a there's a difference between design of like hard but still being rewarding and hard is just like, hey, fuck you. Um, and I think that's what Super Mario the Lost Levels are. But super, the like the American version of Super Mario Brothers 2, I think it's kind of like the evolution of like Mario Brothers going left to right, it was more going up and down, like vertically. Because you do a lot more vertical platforming in that game. And how, like, you you kill enemies with, like, items and stuff. It's a very unique game. Um, and the fact that it's one of the only Mario games 
that Bowser isn't the main character. The vil- villain. That's right. It was Wart. Wart the Frog, which I would love for them to bring back Wart in some capacity. Because I do miss Wart. I think Wart is a cool villain in the Mario franchise that they just sleep on. It's like it's like Donkey Kong sleeping on King K. Rule. It's like, but not as that extreme because King K. Rule is a, a be- way better villain. But there's so much I think they could do with Wart that I could see them bringing into like the 3D Mario games or if they ever re... I feel like we eventually will get an, another new Super Mario Brothers type game that they'll like he'll be the villain. But it's such a unique game because it's like it was the first time you ever played as not well, Luigi you played technically in uh, one, but you also played as Peach and Toad. Like you played four different characters. And they all controlled very differently. Like I think Luigi jumped higher. Um, Toad was fat, yeah. like a fast, fast, and Pe- Peach was like had that floating mechanic. Yeah, yeah. The, the the kicky jump, and Mario was the strongest. And then, or wait, Mario was just all around. Was Toad the strongest? Toad was the fastest. Yeah, Toad, Toad was, was the fastest. Right, yeah, and Mario was the strongest, so he could lift everything and still run at normal speed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was, and I think Toad like picks stuff fast or something like that. Yeah. Right? You can also, pick stuff really fast out of the ground. The like turnips and shit you would throw at people. What's another interesting thing to think about? Because I mean, like Troy was saying, you know, the Doki Doki Panic, like our original game, like wasn't Toad like just a reskin of one of those characters? I think so. Like, cause I mean, cause they did introduce Toads, cause. I mean, again, how Mario Lords kind of fucked up. If you ever read the manual of the original Super Mario Brothers, the blocks are toads. Bowser turned the blocks into t- toads into blocks that you smash, so you technically have blood on your hands. Um, I, I actually have the uh, facts here. Mario is the rounded character. Luigi has yeah. the extra jump height. Toad actually has extra strength and speed. Oh wow! Black <laughs> jump, and then Peach has the floating mechanic. Oh, okay. So just like in Mario Kart, there's no reason to play Mario. I mean, I still play more. Actually, no, I play more Luigi now these days. So your problem, Troy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Super Mario Brothers Two is such a weird game. Like, it's such a unique game. It's still a very good game. I think you can go back to it and have some fun with it. But yeah, at the time, like people found it weird because it was such an oddball game, and it like was such a kind of radical departure to it, and. I hope it just doesn't become a meme because Donkey always names it Game of the Year, which, if, I mean, I love that meme as much as the next person, but I do think Super Mario Brothers 2 is a very enjoyable game if you do go back to replay it. Um, I do know the, the GBA version, like Super Mario Advance, that's how I played it, but I think, like, I played a little bit of the NES on these uh, Switch um, online thing, and it still holds up. I still think it's a great game. Obviously not, like, the highlight of the, the 2D, like, from one to world but it's it's a unique it is like the i you, the twin peaks of the mario franchise you because it one it is a dream the game it's an entire dream <laughs> like Maybe that's why it's so weird it's like yeah. nightmare scenarios of rats and frogs and masks and whatever else that's what frog king who hates vegetables yeah i i wish I, that's why I kind of was thinking they were going to go with Super Mario 3D World when they were going with that. And I was kind of disappointed they didn't because that would have been so cool if they made like kind of like revisit that concept again. Because that would have been kind of neat. And 
things of that nature. But it is the Twin Peaks. You know, we all live in a dream. Uh, the quote, the great Dale Cooper. And yeah, it's 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 definitely worth it. It's it's definitely. It makes, me, uh, it makes me want a Super Mario Brothers two remaster. You know, by Lynch Studios. <laughs> I would fucking kill for that. I know we'll never get that because I just don't see Nintendo and David Lynch working well at all. But. <laughs> I would love I would love that. We need some fanfic. We need some fan art of that right now. So I, I just pre- go on 4chan. <laughs> just go on Just go on 4chan, Jesus Christ. We're gonna watch up somewhere. Waluigi is the dog lady. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh god. I and here I feel like that fan art it does exist somewhere. Like Waluigi is the dog lady. <laughs> Waluigi's everywhere on the internet. I feel like that should be a rule on the internet itself, like rule 36 or something like that. But it's like, if if, if it happens, there is a Waluigi version of it. <laughs> like 36B or like 36C or something like that, right? I, I, you're thinking of rule 34. Oh, there we go. There we go. Close. You're off by two numbers. Ah, oh, fuck. I mean, no one's going to ever forgive me. I have to be on top of that all the time. I, mean, I, I got that mixed up too. I was thinking he was talking about 63, which is like there's always a gender swap version of it. I mean, Good. that's pretty much a Waluigi version in a way. But <laughs> anyways, I kid, I kid. And let's kind of go into the start of the 3D with obviously the big boy, 64, which is... <sighs> the king. It, it still blows my mind. As much as that game has kind of showed its age in the past like almost god 30 years now like yeah almost 30 years jesus christ um of that game but it is such a good game like it still holds up so well like you know how i know that game hold up so well when i was in tech class people would just play emulators (laughs) of super (laughs) mario 64 it, oh my it, God. That's so true because every time you get an emulator, the first game you always want to play is like, let's play 64. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a classic. It's, we kind of touched upon it because of just kind of like the mystery of Pizza's Castle and stuff in that nature, but also the fact that, like, kind of how like Mario Brothers 1 single handedly saved the video game industry, Super Mario 64 almost single handedly gave us the blueprint of how 3D gaming should work. Not just that, but all the copies and all the other games that came out after 64, everybody wanted it to be the next 64, just like how when Halo came out, everybody wanted to be the next first-person shooter. Exactly. And I, I really I really want to emphasize that point about the immersion of 64. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of the imitation, you know, and there were successful, you know, derivatives. Banjo-Kazooie! Like, <laughs> Gex. I'm a fan of Gex. <laughs> Gex. Uh, Minus the dialogue. Oh, sorry, we misspoke, uh, listeners. It was actually Gex. That is the best game of all time. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. That's you know, I really. You were saying, Troy, that they uh, introduced Super Mario Three at the end of the Wizard, and you know, and I really hope that some blockbuster movie comes out, like the new Transformers or some shit. And at the end, they announce the new Gex game. I will fucking love that. I know it would never happen, but I would love that. We got bugs for you. What if Gex is the ultimate sage in bug snacks? Oh my god. <laughs> it's just Gex. 
And he's like, tail time. It's tail time. It's tail time. But no, um, no, no, um, Natasha, you're talking about the immersion of 64 because 64 does that so well. Like the mystery of Pieces Castle is so well done because Pieces Castle, even though it's not a big area, there's a lot of charm in that like in that hub world and just a lot of mystery that hovels between it like up to your journey that you honestly don't know what the next part of it lies for you absolutely um i also think about you know just like what that was for gaming like as a medium right you know what i mean like i think that was really important to create an experience just for video games where the user could the player could feel you know completely you know part of the experience like you you kind of not as a form of escapism per se, like not that you're, you know, you're just forgetting who you are, but you know, you feel, like, I don't want to say you feel like Mario, cute donkey meme, right? Your, but... your feels like Mario. <laughs> God, it's like the, it feel, you really feel like Spider-Man, but you really feel like Mario. <laughs> exactly. But I, I guess, I guess in more of like a, a sense of just like, you know, that's, that's one of the best parts of gaming is when you can kind of just like, you know, you know, engage with that world and, you know, kind of, not forget the other world, but just like put it on pause for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the the the, the level sixty four to me, like e- how each world is very unique to a certain degree. I do think there is like obviously some repeats. Like there's two snow worlds and stuff like that. But like, remember when you discovered a secret slide for the first time, like in that room? Oh, God. You're just like what just what. Like- what is this room like? Why is it just like free windows? But then you're like, oh, what? Are you, I can go into one of these windows, and you're like, oh wow, this is a whole new level. Like, it's cool. it's oh man, it's still to this day, it's so like awesome and so rewarding. I, well, I um, a bigger moment for me for the slide was finding out the shortcut where you just like hop off, like you do a leap of faith. That's like pray to God. Easy. Like, <laughs> God. It's yeah, like that is such a leap of faith. The one that bothered me about um, the slide, though, I will uh, honestly. So I was struggling for the longest time because I was at 119 stars and I had no idea where was the 120th star. I had no idea that there was another star in that secret slide that if you beat it, like I think under 21 or 20 seconds, you get that other star. And to me, it's just like, I was kind of mad at myself because I'm like, son of a bitch. This is what this is the reason why it hold me back to beat the game. But at the same time, I kind of had to like pat, pay respects to that. I was just like, you know, now that justify why you have a timer. Because I think they even had you had another slide. And um, I think um, Tall Tall Mountain, but there wasn't a timer for that one. And it, it kind of justified like, oh, that's why the timer happened because you it encourage you to like get faster so you can get that star uh, it's figure out that. <laughs> what <laughs> like you know to get the extra star you'd have to either like you know have like the most efficient slide down or figure out the shortcut you know that's true and, and just the the level of just the level of this stuff that you get to do here the thing that for me why 64 holds up so well is just also like yeah, Mario does control, like, today's standard Mario control, kind of a little weird, but the moveset that they gave you with Mario, holy crud, like, again, blueprint for imitators, but also just a blueprint for 3D in general, like, long jump, 
triple double jump, triple jump, the side the sides jump, wall jump, like backflip, backflip. Yeah. Like, you have such an arsenal of movement that y- it honestly feels like a playground. Like you're just a kid in its playground, and you just go fucking nuts. It's also one of the few Mario games where you actually like punch something. <laughs> That's true. Like I mean, it's not really useful, but it, it's there. <laughs> yeah, that actually just reminded me of the roundhouse kick too. You remember just yeah. like crawling around the ground and like trying to kick shit. You start break dancing. I, I about this. Yeah, oh, that's what I mostly did with it. I mostly break dance with it. But yeah, it sixty four to me. Like, yeah, the game has kind of aged. Like, obviously, graphically, it doesn't look the greatest. But like, the world, like, it's charming. it still has its charm. Like, I do think there is some charm to it. And yeah, the camera was not the greatest but like it's so it's to to hyper focus on the camera i mean you're talking about a game that's like so you know impactful to games as a medium that like you know it's 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 provocative when people come up with like critique and then magnify the fuck out of it i mean yeah like it's 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 hard to like like really criticize it's easy to criticize it now but you also have to go and like like that's 1996 Granted, I know some games kind of did it better, but they weren't doing as it. They weren't going as ambitious as sixty four. Like sixty four was pretty much the most ambitious game of its time, and honestly, I will still say maybe the most ambitious game of that generation. Like, which is crazy because that game kind of was early on in that generation. I don't think any game truly got to that level in the uh, fifth generation of gaming with the uh, Saturn, X sixty four, and PlayStation. Like, and. There's a reason why it's it's still hold of silver guard because so many games wanted to be 64. So many games, even like not even just platformers, so many other genres like action adventure, third person, you know, third person games, they took some element from 64 and spent with spin with it to their end. And as much as like it's personally not my favorite Mario game. It's always going to hold a very special place in my heart as probably the the most impactful Mario game to me because I honestly can't imagine gaming without this particular game. Like I know that puts a lot of pressure on it and it may be just nostalgia, it may be just like a lot of other factors, but I do think this game just made it's the reason why I'm probably a gamer to this day cuz it just brought me to like it just justify all the reasons why i love gaming like the sense of adventure your movement each of the worlds that you get to play charming characters you know like it's such a it's such it's a, a major game. milestone in gaming oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's just games way before it yeah like i mean i feel like all of us like in some way like we'll probably wouldn't fall in love with gaming without this game in particular you know like one of my earliest like you know great games in my mind you know it's it stayed that way it's not like one of those games that you know i don't have a lot of time to play this game as much as i you know do as i did back then but you know i would still play 64 today you know especially if i had like a whole fucking day to dedicate to it that'd be fucking amazing uh you could with super mario 3d (laughs) all-stars uh which (laughs) dollars daddy nintendo yeah which I feel like we should talk about it because that's one of my biggest problems with the 60, uh, the 3d all-star is how they handle 64. I have a bigger problem than that. 
Oh. If you have Joy-Con drift, this game is a fucking nightmare. It's no a white knuckling no motherfucker. I I don't I'm not surprised about that at all. Luckily I have my pro controller and it works very well, but I think I try to play like the Joy-Cons, like the Wii remotes for Galaxy, and I'm like, fuck this, I'm just gonna do the pro controller. Um, yeah, I like to play handheld because I'll lay down or I'll have the TV on Netflix or whatever. That's fair. But when that Joy-Con drift yeah. comes in. Oh my god, I just want to oh. fucking snap the thing in half. Yeah, no, oh. the Joy-Con drift, man. You know, so the, you know the Joy-Con drift, because you know that lawsuit, Nintendo is like stating that the Joy-Con drift is not as big of a deal as it is, and it's... When I finally got yeah. it, like, over um, the, the quarantine, uh, when I was playing a lot of Animal Crossing, it even f- stopped my love for playing Animal Crossing, because it fucked... It really fucks up that bad. And you're just like, yeah. why? <laughs> it's... Ugh. It's like one yeah. minor. It's like a fly in the room that you could never get. It's just constantly yeah. bothering you. It's a big ass one, and it and it can talk. Yeah, and I know you could technically. It's not a hard fix if you know what you're doing. Like if you have like the right tools, but it's just also like the fact that it's such an oversight that Nintendo's fighting on. It's just like, uh, it makes me irritated. It, but and then you're playing this precise, uh, you know, platformer. And just one little swift move to the right or left or whatever will just throw you off the map. I I will say this. My biggest issue with 3D All-Stars, I mean, I have a lot of issues with it. Um, I, I still enjoy my time with it because it's, it's always nice to revisit 64, Galaxy, and Sunshine, which we'll talk about here in a second. But how they treated 64, excuse me, how they treated 64 was such bullshit. The fact it's still 4 by 3 the fact that it's only at 720p, which, okay, I kind of get that, but it's still 30 frames per second. And they bar- I, they barely up, like, they barely do, like, minor upgrade to the details of the, the game. Where, I could understand the uh, the frames, but the 4x3 is not okay at all. Oh, no. No, not at all. And especially, like, fans... Like, I don't know if you guys have been hearing about Super Mario 64 HD, like uh, this fan mod that people have been using the uh, the assets of, like, um, like the concept art for 64 and just upscaling it to, like, the original game and actually, like, upscaling a game where it still looks like a 64 game but really looks good, like, in HD. And it's, like, widescreen, 60 frames per second, everything. The fact that fans are doing it and Nintendo, it's just fucking give us this half-assed port of 64 just pisses me off because you know this is someone's first time ever playing 64 with this collection and they might not understand why it's such a great game because the camera is still a big issue and you know like i know it's easy to you know like oh but it's back then but they don't know that like you're you're kind of alienating a a generation of gamers to like appreciating why this game holds up so well because it still does but man like they did such a bad job i, I uh oh wait what the heck <laughs> what yeah, i mean they really missed an opportunity with that and i i feel like it's just a, a kind of a failing of modern nintendo i, I you probably don't want to talk about this too much but that they sometimes will pack content in and use that as an excuse for the price tag when it's not good content. Yeah, 
like if this if this was yeah. 40, if this was forty bucks, I'd be cool. But the fact that it's sixty and they've barely done anything to these three games just pisses me off. I think yeah. it would have been all right if it was sixty, but it also had Galaxy too. It would it would it would it would ease the blow, but I don't think it would completely fix it. Or the fact that you know maybe do some concept art like remember like game collections are so cool like the Mega Man Legacy collection you get to see all this concept art are the toys like they're so cool extras or my personal favorite collection the Sonic Mega collection where you know you get to go see the concept art and you have that original music in the background it, it, it the there's just nothing to this collection that just screams like Oh, we're trying to preserve these games. Nintendo just know how special, like how we view these games, and they just—they're kind of like the Disney, the Disney Vault. Like they know, like they purposely hold these games back to release them the way that they do because, sadly, we'll buy it in this state because we just love these games. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lackluster. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere else. I mean, you know, you can get them from ROMs, you know, which you know that's not impossible, but you know, it, it's the not- only way. They- a hold of them you know yeah it's not ideal and nintendo has definitely been cracking down more on that which i also have issues with that because it's like most of the time people are like having these rom to preserve these games and you know all those issues but i don't want to bash on it too much but yeah like i i feel like we just had to mention it because as much as like i do love this franchise and stuff like that the this this recent collection of 3D All Star, even though it's been nice to play 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy back to back to back, but the the level of care that they went into this is like really piss poor. And obviously, Nintendo should be doing better than this. And the fact that Activision is doing better than you with re releases is saying something. I'm just saying. <laughs> And that's the end of part one of the Super Mario 35th anniversary episode here. Well, we'll be uh, wrapping it up uh, next week with part two, uh, picking right up with Super Mario Sunshine and going all the way to Super Mario Odyssey as the current Mario game um, in the mainline franchise. But I do want to thank you guys again for listening to it and bearing with with the... uh, the weight of this episode i hope you guys enjoyed it if you guys have any questions or concerns feel free to shoot me a message through um social media uh, we're on facebook twitter and instagram up and down and all around um, i do have a gmail as well at up and down and around at gmail.com if you have any other questions and concerns as well or even suggestions for uh games to we could talk about on the show and things of that nature. I have do have some uh, plans that I am working on. I, uh, if you haven't heard the separate like update episode, uh, kind of with my plans future on with the uh, show. So I would uh, recommend that uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what to expect as we're hitting to the uh, 2021 here. But again, I do want to thank you guys again for listening to it. I hope you guys enjoy part one here. I'm excited for you guys to listen to part two next weekend. But until then, y'all, I hope you guys are staying safe, wear a mask, take care of each other, and be good to each other.